Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Carl Carlson. And this is Chris Jackson. And Carl and I, uh, we're talking about reliability training and where it needs to go. Yeah, this is, uh, we both are experienced reliability trainers and we have different uh, approaches. And I just thought it'd be fun to uh, to share our approaches and really get down to what's the essence of learning. And, and it's sort of a general subject about teaching and learning as applied to reliability. But the but the essence I think can apply to almost any type of uh, teaching and learning. So I'll I'll be I'll begin with something and then let's just go back and forth. I've mm-hmm. really changed on this subject of teaching. I used to be a primarily slides and and I thought the role of the instructor was to instruct. And then the students sit back and listen. And then every once in a while you ask a question, the student can ask a question or you say, uh, does anybody have any questions? And you go on to the next module. And I've really, I've flipped it around completely. And I focused on, I'm going to say about five, 10 years ago, I shifted around to Socratic method because I think people learn much better by asking questions than they do about absorbing someone telling them something. And and I think that the changing moment for me was, and it's probably more than 10 years, uh, when I go around the room at the end of a class, and I do, you know, does anybody have any questions? And instead of just saying, do you have a question? I ask people, tell me some things that you've learned, or what's something you would like to know about what happened today? And it opened up a lot of stuff that was sort of bottled up that didn't get um, uh, addressed by just saying, does anybody have any questions? So I think the, the first thing for me is to change around to engaging students much more in the training rather than the instructor just telling them the way things are. So I just wanted to start with that uh, point. And what do you think, Chris? Well, I completely agree with what you're saying, especially the way you teach here and engaging the way you you teach naturally is in, is an engaging way, and some of your courses are very procedural. Like you, you, you your passion is for me is and and um uh and, and so w- there are bad ways to teaching for me is um you know step one is this step two is that step three is this step four is that and the reality is you need to go through those steps in a way and you're teaching anyway but there's an underlying philosophy or principle behind each step which unless the students are aware of um yeah like if you take any given principle let's just take um and if, if we go the FEMIA or we could go to reliability and, and say the same thing but on FEMIA we could say okay we're going to cover a failure mode in this module and so then the instructor can say, this is what a failure mode is, and here's the definition. But then the instructor can turn it around and engage students and say, okay, what is that in your own word? words? Mm-hmm. What's an example of it in your life? Look in your garage or basement or house and tell me something that would be an example and just get people thinking. Because I think the whole purpose of teaching 
what what was it uh, socrates i can't teach anyone anything i can only make people think that's that's the essence of it and and so flipping it around to how can we get students thinking about failure modes in this example and getting them engaged with each other or engaged with the instructor or engaged with examples that was for me was a different way of thinking about it so now tutorials are different like when I'm at Rams giving a tutorial, there isn't the time to engage 200 people in a conversation. Uh, and so when I teach, I limit the class to a somewhere between 15 and 20. So we can have lots of time of discussion and get people to engage. And that's where I found like more than 20 and I have a problem where people are just showing up to uh, and, and not enough personal attention. What, what's your experience on uh, class size or anything about this? Well, yeah, I mean, you're coming. So I am trying to teach in a, in a different way to you. As you know, I'm trying, I'm in the process of working on uh, developing online only courses where my approach is fundamentally different in that it's, we're, we're talking about uh, avatar based instructions where that sounds pretty geeky and pretty boring, but it's actually pretty sophisticated. Very good, as but, a matter of fact. Yeah. But I'm, I'm developing or my team is developing scripts where the avatar in, in little discrete 15-minute chunks will, will talk about a particular topic, say, for example, a failure mode. But the flip side is that those scripts can be beautifully refined. And I have script writers who are deliberately chosen to not be reliability engineers. You know, they they are... Um, uh, have a background in, for example, teaching secondary schools English, not an engineering bone in their body, deliberately so that we make the scripts um, convey the right meaning, have a narrative, and if we can keep them interested, then chances are we can keep an engineering student interested as well. The, but the problem with that is that I need to have those questions that your students are asking when you challenge them or ask them or or interact with them at the end of the lessons. That that level of inquisition has to be embedded within the scripts to make it a cool natural story so it needs to still be there but i need to sort of preempt it and that comes from experience having taught many of these courses and classes in the past but it also means that um as i go through these lessons and courses and students ask questions of me at the end of watching a video which they can easily do i realize maybe i didn't explain that or maybe we didn't explain that well enough and we then can go and amend the script um it might be two different sides of the same coin but the idea is that th we need students to be able to put themselves into the story of the instructor and your approach of doing that is challenge them to think challenging them to think of their own experiences that relate to what you're talking about. So all of a sudden we're talking about their story. My challenge for doing that is to try and do that in a way which um, by using relevant examples um, and, and simple language and preempting likely challenges is to do that through the narrative and the sort of perfect refining of the words beforehand. But uh, going back to your original point where I think the, old school approach to training is in this lesson you'll be taught the following 78 concepts we will go through from the start and we'll finish at the end at the end you will be tested based on your ability to re to uh, remember all the words i just said 
if you do that, if you pass the test, then you're an amazing reliability engineer. If you don't pass a test, you are a disgrace. That sort of approach <laughs> is, yes. um, is, is not good. So I think in listening to you, I think we're headed in the same place. We just have different approaches and they're they're both good. The uh and, and I, I see where you're going on it, and I like that approach because I think the the avatars and that type of uh uh engages people. And if the stories engage them, in other words, if they, they can then visualize their life and their um, goals and what they want to achieve in those stories, or the stories are real to them, then it's doing the same thing in a different mm-hmm. way. And and that and I think about this a lot because I look at the way education is in the public school system, and it's it doesn't do that. Uh, now, good teachers do, and that's what's that's the gem is the 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 really good teachers in school systems will engage the students. They'll get them thinking. The poorer teachers will will parrot the lesson and whether the student gets it or not is sort of up to them. And, and in, in my goal, and in, in this is not easy to do, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm, a, I'm perfect at it by any means, but my goal is that everybody that comes into the class actually understands the material by the time we're done. And I, I try to aim for that and it's not easy. Um, and I'm sure you, I know you're doing the same thing. Uh, by your engagement in the way you're doing it. And it, it comes down to what is the thinking process of the student? Um, and if they're engaging in the stories you're doing or they're engaging in the stories of interaction with me or any other instructor, then they're actually thinking with the material. Uh, I have found that if they that there's almost no way to teach something without students flubbing it up in some way. The whether you're teaching a bike, how to ride a bike, and I've done this with a lot of our grandkids and they, they fall down and they get up again. I have found that by actually having them try to do failure mode, effect, cause in that example, and make mistakes at it, but then have positive critique and then redo it until they're not making the mistakes is one of the best ways to learn, uh, learning mm-hmm. by errors rather than some instructor trying to perfectly teach them so they don't actually have to do anything other than comply with what the instructor is saying. That's just kind of rambling on a bit about that uh, process. Right. And sometimes the work examples I do with my online courses, I already know what the usual mistakes are. Um, so uh, yeah. in, in the sort of video response, I can say, well, if you did this, unfortunately, you talked about a failure mechanism instead of a failure or whatever, whatever the um, the typical mistakes are. Um, but that again, that comes from experience. The, the other thing, um, I have this co- not constant debate, at least not in my head anymore, at least people often we get requests to do training and they say, well, can you insert one of my machines or my devices or my products into your teaching? So we can do a familiar course, for example, or a you know, re- reliability testing course on my tissue making machine or whatever it is and at the very start of my journey i felt that that was the right thing to do if i could try and insert um sort of uh examples from the very specific world of the customer then that that's i should try i should try and do that 
It's been my experience though, and I've actually done a bit of a 180 on this, to not do that. And the reason why is sometimes when I, and especially when I'm teaching a, a company where all the people are working on the same thing, it brings their preconceived ideas and preconceived feelings and embedded bad habits into that conversation. Um, and I often find that having examples which are not exactly replicating the world of the, of the student is way more beneficial because most people then start with a fresh slate in their mind and then then they take that fresh slate thinking back to their own machine and I invariably find that they are much better at looking at problems in different ways and uncovering solutions that they were never thought of before. Is that something you um, share or, or is that experience you share or do you concur with at least what my feelings I'm part, are? I'm sort of in the middle on this and let me explain. And I've also done a 180, but I, then I did a 270. A so I'm on. Yeah. So I started out teaching from the bi a bicycle, and I I'll, you'll you'll see in a minute that I actually continue that. Um, mm -hmm. but then I moved to company specific examples, and then I ended up with a hybrid. Right. So the where I start out teaching the principle here's an FMEA, and yes, uh, on a bicycle rotor it could be this, and then then we say okay now on your um, device if the if the if the um housing cracks uh what would be the failure mode and we and we go after it that way as well so we will do both a bicycle and the unique as well so they can kind of mm -hmm. transfer the general knowledge because i agree with you that and in fact one of the lessons learned on this is that you have to be a really good instructor um to avoid this, and I and I end up in this in my facilitation classes, because if if you use an example that's specific, engineers are going to try to fix the problem rather than learn the principle. They're going to focus on okay, the housing broke. Well, let's then they go about roll up their sleeves and they try to fix it, but they're missing the whole FME process doing it. They're just trying to fix the problem, so that you mm -hmm. have to avoid that tendency. And so you have we I had to develop um, exercises that parse out the principle and, and, and keep them focused on the principle before they go to the next step. But yeah, I've got, uh, I agree with you that it's, it's useful to have a separate example that's not tied up into the baggage of their, their own work. But then I also bring in their own work and then try to bring that principle into their business. So like I say, I ended up at a 270 on the subject. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing too is it, when my, especially when you do things online, it takes a hell of a lot of effort to properly prepare um, with your illustrations and examples and things like that. And in a video context, it takes a hell of a lot of work to prepare um, uh, a an example that can be this, then the subject of something like a familia. And so at least like one of my standards uh, devices is a smart lock uh, for military uh, settings. One of my standard devices is a turret positioning system for an armored vehicle and a couple of others. And I've been able to really accrue a huge amount of, say, corporate knowledge and experience of people doing for me is on those two products as well. So it gives those products an advantage 
when from the context of them being example systems for the way I deliver it as well. So, but I take your point is that uh, um, so we have to somehow short circuit preordained thinking processes in order to understand the principles of the philosophy or why we're doing this. And then after that, go back to their real world experience. Um, so if they already knew, knew what the answers were, they wouldn't be on the course. Yeah, precisely. In fact, if they already knew what the answers were, they're not going to learn, um, mm. which is another way of saying the same thing. You have to know you don't know before you can actually learn something. And that, that was another point that Socrates made over and over. Um, but the uh, what, what comes to mind here is the um, that I wanted to add into it is uh, let me bring up uh, the listeners right now. And we're not we're not done. So this I just want to. As a listener, you want to not, because you may not be an instructor, you may not have it in your career goals to teach reliability, but you do have it in your career goals to learn reliability. So as you're listening to Chris and I talk about this, be thinking about how you can engage the instructor or engage the material or engage the, the course itself and get yourself into the frame of mind of listing out your questions for the instructor or for the learning and don't be bashful. And that's the thing I wanted to state that, that even in your course material, Chris, where you have certain things that are automated and a really good way of, of conveying stories and, and using media to get people engaged. And then the person at the other end should have some goals here. And I'm sure you do, but I'm talking about for the podcast listeners have some goals to say, okay, what do I need to know that's different? How can I engage with this? How do I need to engage with Chris? Maybe there's a time afterwards or a time uh, in the class or a time by emails. And then in, in my classes or any other classes that you're in, uh, same thing. Don't be bashful because by asking questions is the way you learn. And the questions might be in your own head and you go, aha. Chris has got it, is teaching me this way, and that answers my question. Or they might be in a, in a live conference or after the class. So be thinking about ways to ask questions because that's the way you learn. That's what I wanted to say on that comment. Yeah, I can hear you talking about how to be a good student um, Yeah, and uh, how to have an open mind. The, the, flip, the challenge is that if you have an open mind and you're trying to be a good student, if the, the instructor or teacher you have is not interested in you having a good experience and there's not much you can do. Um, so, uh, but uh, it's, it's interesting now. You talk, we're essentially talking about two different media for teaching and I, I do in-person training as well, but it's your bread and butter and the ability to walk around and talk and interact and react is, is really invaluable in, in, the, in the sort of courses I, I'm starting to develop. I just don't have that ability. Um, so that's advantage to the in, in-person instruction, in-person teaching, which is why even though I offer this stuff, it's uh, I'm often asked to, to talk to people's faces um, in a very intimate way to because everyone knows that, that offers some level of uh, a different level of, of learning. There's an interesting uh, just just in the brainstorm mode here mm -hmm. is because I think I think both methods are really valid in the in the brainstorm mode. There might be a way to have a uh, 
automated uh, instruction, you know, with the the animated instructions, really what I want to say, which definitely mm-hmm. engages people's minds. And I think that's a wonderful way to do it. And and then there might be a way for for interaction. And, and, and this is purely brainstorming, Chris. So uh, but there might be at, at, at the end of module one, here's a multiple choice. And then the student says A, B, C, or D. And if they say C, you, you know they're not, they're not getting it. And then they go into a different module, which is more remedial, uh, as opposed to the main. And then they go back to the main one. I'm just saying, I wonder if there's a way to, to engage people uh, w- without them being in person. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Right. And one way of doing exactly what you're talking about is you give them questions and, of course, they can self-assess when they say, well, essentially, well, you got C, the answer is supposed to be A. And then you can give them additional material. So if you're still struggling, keep going through these questions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a way that can be automated as well. But at least my courses, the online fully automated ones, there's a chat capability so that any student which says, I need to ask a question, they ask a question where the real person will respond and say, okay, so in lesson three, you asked about what a failure mode is and you say, I'm struggling to understand this, that, and the other. Um, here's my response. And if we need to talk in person, feel free to set a time. Uh, so there's that as well. And now that's good for the student in that they get to ask that specific question. Also good for me in that I know what part of the lesson I need to improve to limit <laughs> the likelihood of that question being asked again. Um, so I, I don't know if that that. Uh, addresses what you're talking about, Carl, but yeah, wherever possible, now uh, the advantages of online learning where you have fully produced videos with, you know, highly reviewed scripts and animations, which really tailor to what can be sophisticated statistical concepts is it just far exceeds what you can achieve in in-person teaching. Absolutely. The scalability of, uh, of uh, animation online is very, very important. Because mm-hmm. we do, we, in the end, we do need to reach a lot of people. The I'll just uh, a short story here, and I wanted to bring up the subject of stories because you mentioned it earlier. So let me get the stories concept first, and then I'll tell a story. The uh, it it's t- took me a while in my career to get good at telling stories as part of teaching, because you know it's probably just a, I didn't have enough confidence in the material that I was teaching to share the right story at the right time. So early in my career, I would teach the material, but I didn't have stories. And then probably midway in the career, I I developed, I drew on my own experience to integrate the stories. And then I saw the light light bulbs turn on with students Mm -hmm. and much, much better because when the personal stories came in. So then I've done, and I just wanted to get to the uh, the point that uh, you were making. Um, I've recently, I've done, not re- just recently, but a number of times, I've done very large um, uh, tutorials with companies. Like one uh, a while back had close to 800 people around the world. Good Lord. <laughs> and I had... And it, it was very technologically it was outstanding. So I had to think, how am I going to engage these people? And because I'd be there forever. And then, you know, so I did the tutorial exactly as I wanted. I, I actually prepared ahead of time. 
to understand what the needs are for that company. And so I made sure, and this is what, what you're talking about. In other words, you get really good material. Then I said, I had a couple slides about learning. I said, you're not going to learn just by listening. So I want each and every one of you to ask at least one question. And I won't be able to answer them during this tutorial, but you can send them to me. And I had hundreds and hundreds of questions because the requirement for me was to ask at least one question. And they were engaging. I had an agreement that I could use those questions as because they were non-proprietary as part mm -hmm. of future writings and stuff. So they had a, a wonderful uh, pay it forward uh, aspect to it. But I was so surprised that they actually did. I didn't get 800, but I got many hundreds of people that that put forward thoughtful questions as part of their learning process. And I just wanted to share that little story with you that it was kind of fun to do that. 800. Yes. Good Lord. I was a little nervous. I know I'm normally I'm never nervous. I mean, a little bit nervous always, that which is good. But I'm thinking, holy crap, my what if my computer doesn't work? So I had a backup computer. What if, what if I'm doing a little FMEA on what can go wrong? Uh, because you don't want to mess that one up. <laughs> right. Kind of right. That that's uh yeah, that's a that's a kind of a big deal. Um <laughs> now, but it's all about engaging. And I think when you were talking about um uh, you're asking questions and uh what that does in my mind at least is puts students in the story so when they're thinking and asking questions that automatically automatically forces their brain to imagine them in this challenge or this thing that hopefully for me is or viable analysis can help them get to the bottom of and so the challenge with online learning is to try and have that story that narrative their raison d'etre the the reason they want to follow through each step it has to be dripping with everything that video narrator says um this is two different ways to try and keep people in the story itself so you, what you don't want people to do is learn a topic where they don't know why it's important even if you say hey we're going to talk about something you won't know why it's important but i'll tell you later i hate that doesn't yeah. work yeah um so i don't know i think we're furiously talking about the same thing but from different approaches but uh to be honest we yeah, could keep it, talking about training for a long time in fact um the process of learning i think for the student is in posing the question not in the answer i think the the the, the primary i'm sure there's some value in the answer mm -hmm. but just thinking about a thoughtful question is a big step in the learning process, and mm -hmm. irrespective of the answer. In fact, uh, when it, when I was doing a, a course called, I mean, it, we've all done it, Train the Trainer. So I do a course on Train the Trainer, teaching people to teach FMEA. And so I'm doing a lot of research on the teaching process as part of that. And then I learn about these great teachers, you know, Plato, Socrates, others. And one of the things that I learned from them is that the teacher can actually play dumb on a topic. Don't I can play dumb story. really well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here comes so naturally. Um, but they can, you, you as an instructor can not automatically answer the question, but just engage with the student. What do you think about that? How would you go about that? And then just 
Um, don't give them the answer right away, but get them engaged. Use that question as a leverage into the student's learning process to get them thinking, which is what you're really trying to do, and then make sure by the end that they have the answer to their question. So I just, because I've I, in trained the trainer, I've seen some people, student asks a question, well, here's the answer. And they go, racka, 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 as you know, they're the expert in the world. And they give the answer and the student goes, wow, okay. Um, that's not a really a learning process. Yeah, it's better than nothing. But mm -hmm. better is to get the student engaged in thinking about that question and what the answer might be. So I just wanted to share that with you that, uh, and for students who are, because we're all students, people that are listening to this podcast as to how you can go about learning. And the answer is you go about learning by asking questions. Absolutely. Well, I think we could talk about training for a long, long time, but we probably need to wrap things up there, Carl. And mm -hmm. if our listeners believe we haven't exhausted the topic the way we ought to, please feel free to let us know. I mean, check out this podcast if you haven't already done so at www.ascendoreliability.com forward slash series forward slash SOR. You'll find like I said, this podcast, but tons of others as well for all sorts of topics. Each podcast allows you to leave a comment, which we will always address. And a good number of our podcast topics have come from questions or comments from our listeners. So we do take it very, very seriously. And uh, if you enjoy this series, then it's in no small part because due to um, comments left by listeners in the past. So feel free to tell us what we need to talk about in the future if, or if you furiously disagree with anything we've said that's always a welcome huh. thought because if everyone's the same then life would be boring but hey carl thanks for taking wow. the time to have a chat with me it was a great great experience at mind yeah sure and let me just say to the uh to the students and that's a really good opening to them is we'd love to hear from you as to what have been the best instructors you've had what are what are the yes what are the qualities of the best instructors and maybe even the worst instructors don't give names on the worst instructors but what are the qualities for really good teaching uh that you've observed because those are that's part of the discussion here so yeah great great discussion chris thanks a lot always a pleasure Carl. thanks for listening to speaking of reliability we invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show please let us know you can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on itunes